What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and welcome to 305 Culture, a podcast where you'll feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. HOOPHEADS Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the 305 Culture with J.J. Rivera. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the HOOPHEADS Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and our other three team-focused NBA pods, Grizz and Grind, Knuck If You Buck, Cavalier Central, and Blazing the Path. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and welcome to 305 Culture, a podcast where you'll feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Today, I brought you all a very special guest, Mark Schindler. Mark is the co-creator and co-host of Premium Hoops. He's also a contributor and a podcast host for Indie Cornrows over at SB Nation. And without further ado, let's welcome Mark Schindler. Mark, how have you been doing, buddy? Uh, JJ, I'm really good, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm psyched to be here and always ready to talk some hoops. Absolutely, man. And as you, uh, and if you all didn't know, Mark is a fellow SBC alum as myself. So we attended, we both attended SBC this past August. We had a, an absolute blast. Oh my God. There. Yes. I miss it, man. It was so fun. Oh man. Especially that, that off season that we had to plan for our teams. Yes. What team did you did you have? I was on the Clippers. Oh, so you guys might have the most interesting offseason of, of any other team this year. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, what team were you on? I can't remember. I was on the Magic. Oh, okay, yeah, I actually I liked what you guys did. As long as you weren't part of the Knicks, the Knicks definitely uh, they had their struggles. So it was, uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't. No, it was the Timberwolves, the ones who overpaid for Yeah, Chris the Timberwolves Boucher. gave – wasn't it Chris – Chris Boucher got like four for 80. It was ridiculous. Yeah, but I actually – I think he's going to get heavily overpaid this offseason. Yeah. But the Knicks ended up overpaying Davis Vertons. Oh, yeah. They which, gave him like a $100 million contract just about. That's something that I would expect from the Knicks. So, oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Enough, enough Knicks slander for the pod. <laughs> anyway, well – Today we're going to dive deeper into the Heat's off-season plans. We're going to be discussing, if you listened to the pot last week, we are going to touch on some points that we already discussed, but we're going to go deeper into them since we have new info 
coming out this week. And we also have Mark's input, which is always valuable. So taking a look at the Heat's offseason, we already discussed their key free agents, but let's run them down one last time. Goran Dragic, Jay Crowder, Myers Leonard, Solomon Hill, Donis Haslam, Derek Jones Jr., and Kelly Olynyk, who has a player option. Obviously, as we said last week, Goran Dragic is the most important one of these free agents. He proved his worth during the playoffs. He's got a lot left in the tank, and it's probably this will probably be his last payday. So I think that the Heat should prioritize him coming back because his chemistry with Jimmy Butler is outstanding. The lot he's absolutely loved by Heat fans. I love him. Oh my God, that guy has been so. I I think we should retire his jersey whenever he retired. When he, whenever he's done, because he has been crucial. He has been excellent for the Heat. And I ask you, Mark, do you think that Goran Dragic should be the first thing that the Heat front office takes care of in this offseason? Uh, yes and no. I mean, they'll take care of him, yes. But I think you have to figure out what you want to do. Um, because he's somebody I, I don't want to say I'm nervous about him getting overpaid. I mean, he's a really good player. Was Obviously, I mean, the best offensive player for the Heat in the playoffs. I think that goes without saying. Um, I've just totally dialed things up in a way that that he didn't have in the the regular season. I mean, he was still good in the regular season, but really took a step back coming off the bench for the first time in in Miami um, and really upped his play in the playoffs. But, I mean, he's 33, and this team is, you know, looking to – be a contender for a couple years with Jimmy Butler's prime as he's coming out of it, I guess you could say. Um, so yeah. I, th- I think you just have to be careful in terms of not overpaying. Cause that one thing I always point at, um, it, you, you look at teams that have success and go on deep playoff runs. So the teams that don't overpay their role players that, that win, in my opinion, like you look at what happened with the Cavs after they won the title in 2016, uh, they overpaid Amon Shumpert. They overpaid J.R. Smith. Um, um, Tristan, Tristan Thompson, Thompson, yeah, I mean, for there was a time where his deal looked like it would be quite like verified, like it would have been fine. But he, I mean, he took a step back and play. Um, so that's something that I'm. I don't want to say I'm like nervous about, but I am a little bit apprehensive, especially with uh, the 2021 free agency coming up and and how big of players the Heat are going to be in that. So I, I think it just kind of depends on what what kind of deal Goran's looking for. Like maybe you can offer him a you know a, a sizable one year deal for this year, and then you offer him a smaller more drawn out deal in 2021 but i think it's uh i agree his free agency is definitely the most important for miami yeah i would i was gonna say that if they want to like they want to take care of him in financial terms it would have to be a one-year deal i would prefer for it to be a one-year deal because it would give us a flexibility going to 2021 Mm -hmm. in order to give us a chance at any of the superstar free free agents that are going to be there what would you think would be a fair offer to to Gorn. Uh well I'm trying to think. Yeah, so eighty two million dollars in the uh, in total cap for next year. Um and it's looking like the salary cap's gonna be one oh nine again with the luxury tax threshold at one thirty two is what it was reported yesterday, but I've heard one thirty nine as well. I'm hoping it's one thirty nine because a lot of teams are gonna have to cut costs if it's uh one thirty two. But I mean I think maybe you'd give them like one for fifteen. Something like that, like pretty similar to Andre Godal's deal. Obviously, his deal is more than one year, but um, I, I think like something like that. I mean, maybe a little bit more. I guess it just depends on on other bidders, but I feel like that's a pretty fair deal. Yeah, I would say I was thinking more one year, maybe seventeen. 
around that range. But if he if he agrees to one year fifteen, I I'll off I'll tell him this we're just signed right now. But we also have to take into account that there are other targets this off season because this off season doesn't have star power that the the free agency of last year or next year. But there are still very serviceable role players that could help yeah. us out this year in our quest for a championship because this team, as they show, they're way ahead of schedule and they show that they can compete for a championship right now. So, without further ado, let's continue with Jay Crowder. Now, as I said, he was very solid for the Heat throughout the playoffs. He became our starting power forward. And I thought that what was really interesting about him is that he actually became the centerpiece of the Iguodala trade. We all thought that we were getting Iguodala for the the Iguodala that we've seen previous years, but it was Jay Crowder who stepped up in the playoffs, and Iguodala, his playing time went down drastically for some for some rounds of the playoffs, and he he was key to Miami's game plan, especially in the Milwaukee series, how he his ability to switch. His sturdy frame, which helped contain Giannis's drives to the basket, his his defensive IQ in the zone, which really helped, and it also an added bonus, he shot forty three percent from from three during that series. So I think that was something that the Heat weren't counting on, since we all know that he's he's a bit inconsistent from beyond the arc, aside from the Celtics year, which he he shot pretty well. But now I ask you, should the Heat look? first into bringing Crowder back, or should they look elsewhere first and then bring him back? I personally would like to see him back for all the things that he brought, but I, I recognize that there are other other players that could come in cheaper and maybe contribute in the same level, but not quite. What would you think, Mark? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a good question. Um, I think the way that I look at it personally, um, I was talking about this on a podcast yesterday. You know, I think they're going to be and if you're looking at, you know, kind of archetype guys like Jay Crowder is the uh, he's going to be the top paid three and D like wing forward guy this this offseason, probably. So I think his free agency is really going to determine what happens with all the other guys that are kind of in that similar ilk. So like a guy like Mo Harkless or obviously less of a three point shooter in, in some some regards. But, you know, I, I, I just think the, he's really going to set the pace for the rest of free agency in terms of what he commands this summer, or I mean winter, I guess. Um, I think I'm less bullish on Jay Crowder. Um, just like you talked about with how good he was shooting in, in Boston, but then you look everywhere else. I mean, outside Boston, he's a below average three-point shooter. He was awful as a three-point shooter on high volume in Memphis, uh, struggled as a three-point shooter in Utah, especially in the playoffs. And as good as he was, in Miami this year and in the playoffs, he really struggled shooting the ball against the Lakers. Yeah. Um, so I personally think if you can get him back on the MLE, that's cool. But if he goes any higher than the MLE, I would not be keen to bring him back. And I think I would look elsewhere just because I think he's somebody who will probably, I don't want to say he's going to get overpaid, but there's a chance where, I mean, if his shooting regresses back down, which I anticipate it will just because we have historical evidence that it will, um, I, I yeah. personally don't want to be the team that that gives Jay Crowder a, like you know a three for forty or something like that. I think that the law averages it dictates that he's gonna regress to the the 
to his shooting, the shooting that he has displayed throughout his career. That still doesn't take away from him as a player. I think yeah, he's a yeah, for sure. Yeah, player. I don't mean to interrupt, but I think that that's I, I want to iterate that too. I mean, he's an incredible player. He was probably the you know uh, probably the fourth best player for the Heat in the playoffs, which is I mean considering that they were kind of winning by committee, um, yeah, that was significant. But at the same time. I think a lot of it you look at Jimmy is not going to be a floor spacer unless he, you know, flashes what he did in the first two rounds of the playoffs from, from here on out, or three rounds. He didn't really take any threes against the Lakers. But, um, I mean, it, just in terms of the way the team's constructed, if you have Bam and Jimmy, you need guys who are going to be able to space the floor adequately. And, uh, one, you know, one thing that I look at, too, what, what made the Heat really unique in my eyes this year was they had so many guys who you could plug and play, but they're – is the roster was versatile, but the players weren't necessarily, if that makes sense. Like, Duncan Robinson, elite shooter, uh, not awesome. He's, he's better defensively than he gets credit for, but he still gets attacked on defense. Um, so, I mean, like, you have Jay Crowder, who's kind of the opposite. And he wasn't – I mean, he didn't struggle with shooting in, in Miami, but you look at what it could be like next year. He's a guy who can play really good defense. He's going to struggle to space the floor. You look at a guy like Derek Jones, really good defender, um, awesome athlete. Good role man, uh, not a floor stretcher at all. I mean, I think that's what I look at with with Miami. You need to find the ability to have more versatile players instead of just having a really versatile roster. Because uh, it's nice being able to plug and play guys into different scenarios, but at the same time, you need to be able to have guys who are you know able to stay on the floor on both ends and can continue to contribute. If that makes sense. Yeah, and also looking at the power forward list, potential power forwards for the Heat. We got Danilo Gallinari, Dallas Bertans, Jeremy Grant, Paul Millsap, and Jeff Green. I think Bertans might be out of our price range because he's going to be looking at a for a multi-year deal, mm-hmm. and the Heat will mostly be looking for one-year deals. Maybe, maybe they'll overpay somebody for a one-year deal to bring him in. I, I was, I'm really curious to see if Gallinari could could bring us some of that. Floor spacing that we that we could see that we could that we could desire from that position, and in order to have Butler and Amadabayo be on the on the floor at the same time and be effective, because as we said, Crowder is not expected to continue being unless well unless he proves us wrong, which I hope you I hope he does. Yeah, I do. But, but if we're taking a look at his career, he's due to regress back to the mean, which is a below average shooter. And I look at a guy like Gallinari, like maybe pay him a little bit more, but he brings more on offense. And on defenses, he's not he's not a, as much of a plus as Crowder is, but maybe that he could scheme scheme him up to be in, in a good position every time. But yeah. Well, yeah, no, you- I agree with that. I think in terms of like if you have Gallinari in his own, he's got really good length. Um, and obviously if you have a bunch of plus defenders around him, I'm less worried about him. And he's not terrible. Like, if he's getting isolated on the perimeter, then, yeah, you have problems. But um, I think he's a fine fine enough defender where you don't, you're don't, you not going to get completely killed. But just what he brings offensively, like you're mentioning, I think he could be a, a huge key piece for a heat run next year. Like, as kind of like a secondary facilitator and a guy who can really do a little bit of everything. Um, and especially just as an elite floor spacer. I mean, he is one of the best... Uh, shooting bigs in the league. And I guess he's not technically a big. He's like one of those weird. He's like a forward wing guy, but really kind of a big just in terms of his like physical skill set. But um, 
No, I think if if I'm the Heat, I would rather gamble on paying Gallinari like a one for like you mentioned with with Drogic. I think he's in a similar boat, like a one for fifteen, one for seventeen, something like that. And I'd rather let Jay Crowder walk and take a gamble on uh, on Danilo Gallinari because I think he could just unlock so much more for the offense. I mean, what's so crazy to me is how good the Heat offense was. Like they just as you you watched them even more close than I did. I mean. The, the level that they got to in the playoffs was insanely good. Like, I did yeah. not expect that from them at all. And that's not, a you know, a, an indictment of them. That's more of a testament to how well they played together and, and what Spo was able to do with the roster. Like, you have a bunch of guys. Like, Jimmy is a really good offensive player. He's not great. Gorin was by far the best offensive player. Bam, obviously really good. But I think they just were able to craft a system that worked incredibly well. And if you put even better offensive players into that, like a guy like Gallinari, I mean, I just think that that offense ramps up even more. So I and think it's totally worth it. I think a, a key for, for us in the playoffs was Tyler Hero. I didn't yes. expect him to contribute that much in the playoffs. Even with Kendrick Nunn taking a step back, mass, I mean, well, Kendrick Nunn was dealing with some issues. He, he got coat. Got COVID before the the bubble restart, and he was dealing with some family issues, which I hope they were all resolved. But with Tyler Hero taking a step up, I think I no, I don't think anybody expected him to contribute this much for a finals for for a finals contending team in the playoffs. I mean, crap, he he scored thirty seven points in a playoff game as a rookie, which is insane to think about. So I think. That on offense, what the Heat were able to do is, I think it cannot be understated how how impressive it was, really. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And he he, he really flashed a lot of stuff. Um, this, in the playoffs, that was just remarkable. I mean, uh, his ability to hit pull-up shots at a credible rate, uh, be a really solid three-point shooter, can do some stuff in pick-and-roll, like... Um, I, I think that he's going to be a, a huge player for the Heat moving forward, of course. And I expect him to be much better next season. Well, he kind of put that pressure on himself due to his playoff mm-hmm. performances and his somewhat. He likes to talk a little bit. So. He does like to talk a little bit. <laughs> and so I think the spotlight will be on him next season. I expect him to improve. The only thing that worries me was that on the defensive end, but rookie guards tend to struggle on that end of the floor. Mm-hmm. I think... Matisse Thibel this year was an exception rather than the rule. And yeah. but I expect Tyler Hero to become a really, really good player going forward. Oh yeah, but, definitely. And honestly, he already is a really good player. You know, it's uh for him to do what he did in the playoffs, like it's it's interesting. Like I think it was almost like he had a second season, you know, and in, in getting to go into the bubble and kind of expand his game there. And um, I'm interested to see if that's able to carry over for not just him, but for all the guys who were kind of got their second year in the bubble a little bit um, just because it was like a completely different season. There's so much space between. Um, no, I'm, I'm definitely excited for Hero moving forward. Yeah. Let's move on to the other free potential free agent for the Heat, Kelly O. He has a $12.5 million player option. I think he most likely takes it because I think in this unparalleled times, it would be crazy not to take mm-hmm. guaranteed money right now especially that much. I think Kelly O is a really fine player, but I think his, a lot of his limitations were exposed, especially against 
the Lakers look. He can. He's a really good. He's a good scorer. He can space the floor, which is important for what the Heat are trying to do offensively. Since we have two non-shooters on the floor almost always, but he can't rebound. He can't defend. He, I mean, he. People forget he injured Kevin Love trying to trying to get a rebound, but way back in 2015. Yeah. But I think if he opts in, I think he's a really good trade piece, and his salary is big enough. Well, to be able to trade it alongside a prospect, which I would much prefer to be Kendrick Nunn, but not nothing against Kendrick Nunn. He he was really good throughout the regular season, but in the bubble and in the playoffs, he he showed some some concerning stuff in the on the court. And I'm gonna bring up something. Maybe you might not be so comfortable with me bringing this up. He could be really good a key piece in a Victor Oladipo trade. Uh, you can miss me with Kendrick Nunn. I'm 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 not a huge fan of Kendrick Nunn. Like he's a fine player, but I don't really tr- trust him as like a long term starter or anything. What he's already 25, right? I mean, he's I yeah. know he's at least 24 this year. I think he just turned 25. Yeah, yeah, because um, he he spent a lot of time the, on the G League. Yeah, I mean, like he's a nice player, but I personally like man. For, if that's the return in an Oladipo trade, then I think I'd rather just let not let him walk, but like try and re-sign him in in the um, the upcoming off not this off season, but the upcoming one after in 2021, and just go with that because I, I don't really think Kendrick Nunn brings you back anything. I think uh, maybe yeah. he can kind of t- right the ship next year and recruit some of his value because he looked really good to start the year and for you know the regular season pre hiatus. I know he had a ton of stuff going on personally and, and dealing with COVID as well that made it tough for him in the bubble. But at the same time, I mean, there was a, enough on court that I was like, yeah, I'm not really sure that I, I would want this guy coming back as kind of the primary piece in a deal. Yeah. I think what mostly infuriated me, well, not I'm, infuriating is a really strong word, but bothered me the most with mm-hmm. him throughout the playoffs. Really? He showed this tendency of, of pulling up in the, from the top of the key a lot and I really don't like that type of shot and and if he made it consistently then I think I would be I would be fine with it but he didn't make it so that was a problem he shot a lot and sometimes I think that Spo let him have a too long of a leash maybe he was just trying to show that he can he can trust his young player and that's good coming from a coach especially in such a big moment in the playoffs but I I got really discouraged by him this offseason. So, yeah. what would an ideal package be for Oladipo in your eyes? So, it's actually really funny. I uh, I don't think the Heat should trade for Oladipo. And this is just, like, hear me out for a sec. I think you look at, um, I mean, I, I think initially the idea was before everything blew up in the playoffs. I mean, I think it was like the first or second round we start hearing all this stuff about Vic to the Heat. And, you know, it had been around for a while. Um but, you know, the idea had been, well, like Tyler Hero and Cap Filler for Victor Oladipo. And right now, if I'm the Heat, why would I trade Tyler Hero for Victor Oladipo no, I would absolutely with how Tyler just played that. and how Vic's been playing? Granted, I mean, I think Vic's going to be a better player. I mean, Vic's peak is better than you can hope for Tyler Hero. And that's not, not a knock on Tyler. But, I mean, Vic was a top 10 player for, you know, a season um, when he was at his peak in Indiana before he got injured. So... I, I get why Miami would be interested, but at the same time, if he's available in the 2021 offseason and he has ties to Miami, 
why wouldn't you just wait and sign him then when you have the cap space anyways instead of you know trading any assets you have to go get him i think that's the way i look at it it just doesn't seem like a very pat riley thing to do like if pat riley knows okay well we can go get this guy in free agency next year why would you trade some really key players off your roster to go get someone who's going to be there in the coming year um and also just in terms of everything with vic and all the reporting and just kind of murmurs i've heard um I think it's not that he really even wants to go to Miami or, or anywhere else. He just is ready to get paid a, a, his 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 deal, you know. And I think it's more of a, I think you know, just from everything I know, he likes Indiana a lot. He enjoys living in, in Indiana. He likes the team. He has a, a decent relationship with the front office. It's not like the Paul George situation. Um, he just wants to get paid, and I think I get that. You know, he's been injured really really struggled with injuries for like the last year and a half, two years now. Mm-hmm. And he thinks, you know, okay, I know the player that I can be when I'm healthy. And I think this is the money that I deserve. And I get that. I, I think I do. I think a lot of people are really harsh on Vic and I, he hasn't handled things in the best way. I'll be completely honest, but um, I understand where he's coming from in terms of like a respect thing and the work that he's put in to, to, to try and get healthy again and to be, you know, a top player again. Um, so I get him wanting to get paid. And, and have that security and know that it's the team and organization has that trust in him. But then I also see the front office's point of view. And they're like, you know, we've seen you play for the last year and a half. And you are not even remotely close to that level of player that you were. And how can we be confident that you're going to be that level? So I think right now it's just that's the issue. There's just that kind of um, breakage between the front office and, and Vic. And I think they'll eventually come to a head with it. Um, personally, what I think will happen is Vic's not going to get traded. And I think that he's just going to stay on the team and try and recoup his value um, during the year. And if he does recoup his value, then the Pacers are going to sign him to that to that deal. And I think he'll be fine with that. And there have been talks. I know somebody from the Miami Herald yesterday, I think it was Barry Jones. I can't remember his name. It's like Barry Jones, Barry Jackson, something like that. A really good reporter for the Miami Herald. Um, he released something about, you know, kind of exactly what I'm talking about, how there's, you know, more talks about Victor wanting to re-sign with the Pacers. It's more just about him getting paid his money from the organization than him wanting to go somewhere else. So that's my really long-winded way of saying I don't personally think that Victor is going to get traded, and I don't think that it would make sense for the Heat to trade for him. Yeah, I was going to say I mentioned the trade because, well, there's been – listen, these rumors have been going on for quite a while now. So Oh, I I know. (laughs) Trust me, I know. Yeah. So – but I don't think I personally wouldn't like – on a little depot trade if we have to give up either Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson because right now his value is at an all-time low. He's coming off a really bad knee injury. If he can, as you said, recoup his value this this regular season and if things get really bad in Indiana, then Indiana, then I guess they'll have to either tra- they have to trade him. But he hasn't given any indication, as you said, that it's going to be a Paul George situation where he clearly. Well, he publicly says that he doesn't want to be there. And when a player goes public, that's when you know things are going really bad. Yes, exactly. Yeah, see, that's why it's so different because Paul George demanded a trade outright. Victor hasn't done that. And again, he hasn't reinforced that he doesn't want to be traded, um, which is part of the issue. Um, But, you know, I mean, I I just I I always want to pull that up. It's very different from the I mean, not completely different, but there's. I understand people pulling similarities because it's the same organization. It's happening in a contract year. 
Um, but I do think that there are some pretty big differences between this and Paul George. Yeah. Let me remind people how good Oladipo was at his... He was phenomenal. <laughs> at the 2017-2018 season, which was by far his best season, he scored 23 points per game and he led the league in steals. He was... He played excellent defense. I think he was named All-NBA that season. Yeah, he was first... Uh, he was All-NBA and he was first team All-Defense. Yeah, he was, he was phenomenal. If he can get back to that type of player... He'll obviously get paid the max, but his uh, his knee injury was his knee. Let's say list his watching knee injury that was, in real time was uh, that was tough, man. Yeah, uh, that was. I remember I was watching that game and just seeing it happen, and his reaction was awful. <laughs> I yeah, that, that's some of the things about sports that you never really quite get past. I remember watching Paul George's injury live. Um, yeah, it was uh, definitely. I think Paul's was a little bit more that just because you could see the you could see the, the bump. yeah yeah that was oh wow that was makes me sick thinking about it but seeing what happened with Victor too it was tough yeah I think I hope he gets back to that level because he's actually really fun to watch he's incredibly fun to watch and he's a really good dude too like just I've only gotten to talk to him like once or twice but I really enjoy him as a person and I think he's a he's just a quality dude the players enjoy him. Um, he gets along with the coaching staff. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just wish nothing but the best for him. I wish he gets his explosiveness bad because people oh, forget yes. he, he competed in a dunk contest. Yeah, he was a crazy dunker, really good dunker. Um, and, all I mean, the biggest thing, too, is his burst. Like, he just had he had such a good first step, which has been part of the issue because he really hasn't had that. Um, his, it's funny. Well, not funny. It's more like just a weird thing to, to, to notice, like, his handle isn't caught up to his body, or I think it's more his body isn't caught up to his handle. So he was really having trouble with turnovers in the bubble and, and you know, before the hiatus because um, his, his, his handle and dribbles are just totally thrown off because his legs aren't where his, you know, hands are used to having them. Like he would be, try and uh, do a crossover and it'd go right into his knee because his, his legs aren't moving at the same speed as, as he's used to, it felt like. Yeah, I mean that's what happens when you when you sit out for an entire year nursing an injury and then you try to get back into an NBA court. Like it's gonna it's gonna be a struggle. But I really hope he gets he gets his form back. Let's discuss some other targets for the Heat. Do you think there's anybody else that he could target via trade or free agency? I mean via um, trade. Let's focus on trade because I talk trade. about free agency. Yeah. yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, hmm. I, I suppose that they could – I mean, one of the obvious guys you could throw out is Chris Paul. I don't know how much sense that would make just because of how much money None. Uh, <laughs> that would be. Um, and I don't know – I mean, like, I guess you could try and throw, like, Andre Iguodala and, and Kelly Olenek and, like, maybe another – like, I, I, and then even you throw in, like, Kendrick Nunn and, like, a draft pick or something. I still don't even think that's enough to get Chris Paul because how good he was this year. Um so I don't know, and personally, like I just don't know if I would do that if I'm Miami. But maybe I would. I mean, you think about what he would bring. Um, obviously, his health is an issue, but at the same time, like it's Chris Paul. He was a top twelve player this year, like a legitimate, probably top five, top six MVP caliber guy. Um, I mean, there there are other guys you could look for in trade. Like one guy that's really intriguing to me, if Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, does not. Is not willing to re-sign with the Kings. Um, you could send him an offer sheet or try and make a sign and trade happen with Sacramento. 
I don't know what you send out for him, but he would be really nice for Miami as a secondary creator and really solid shooter. He's a better defender than he gets credit for. Um, I really am, am high on him and his ability. Um, I, I'm trying to think of other trades. I don't uh, think Wes Wilcox likes that idea. Uh, yeah, Wes is he's pretty smart. I, I, I was really happy that he got the job, man. Oh, man, absolutely. Um, Congrats to yeah, him. It was really, really cool for him. Um but I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's interesting just because with everything going on with Buddy there, like I don't know what's going to happen. It seems more like Buddy would be get getting traded, but you could also argue maybe Bogdan's just tired of being there and wants wants out. But I think I don't Buddy, know what other trades and, and stuff are you looking at. I think Buddy ends up being traded to to Philly. Most I, I, if I'm Philly, I would be all over that because because he he he's a he's an elite shooter. He can play off uh, off the ball. And with with Simmons and Embiid on the floor, he, he would be perfect. I would most preferably look to trade Al Horford for to the Kings. The Kings have shown interest in him in the past, mm-hmm. but I think Al Horford has shown that he's maybe maybe he's not washed. Maybe it's just a fit. But yeah, it's, to me, it's he did lose a step, but it's not, it's mostly fit in my opinion. Yeah, so I think he can be an effective player. Not at that not at that price point. He's grossly overpaid we, let's be honest oh yeah but I think he could be a serviceable player for the Heat I think they should listen I know Houston's not gonna do any they're just gonna run it back this season but I don't think they have they have a, a good enough roster to compete in the Western Conference especially with with the Clippers rebounding I think they'll I think with their new coaching staff and the mistakes that they made this year, I think they'll realize and they'll be better this year. The Nuggets took a step forward and the Lakers are still the Lakers with LeBron and AD. Yeah. And they have room to add. Um, they're probably going to use their mid-level exception. Um, they could try and make some trades happen. I was just talking to Tim Cran just about this the other day. He runs basketball index and uh, does some really great work with the Lakers. Uh, so, I'm I'm interested to see what the Lakers do because I think they will be even more talented next year. Yeah, so I don't think the Rockets have a good enough roster, especially with their two two superstars who I never liked to trade to begin with. I mean, Westbrook showed some some signs of life for a two week stretch before the hiatus, mm-hmm. but I would look, I would at least call Houston to see what. What would what it take to net James Harden? I don't think they'll trade him, but I would at least call them and see what the what what would it take? Because as we as I think I mentioned last week or on another pod, James Harden might be a free agent in twenty twenty two. If I'm not mistaken, he has a player option that year. It's forty plus million, but at that time at that. The way that he plays, and at that stage of his career, I think he can net a similar salary from another team. And if the Rockets aren't competing, I could see him leaving. He loves Houston. He has said it multiple times. But I would, I would at least look into it. What would you think? Um, I personally think James Harden is untouchable, and I doubt Houston will trade him unless he asks out. Um, so I mean, I guess anything's possible depending on how their season goes. Um, if I'm looking at Rockets. I personally would try and see if they'd be willing to move on from P.J. Tucker or uh, Robert Covington. I think they'd be more willing to part with P.J. Tucker just because he's 
you know, up, I believe he's a free agent this uh, this offseason. I could be wrong. Um, he's either a free I'm, – I'm trying to pull it up right now. He's either a free agent this offseason or next offseason, but I know he wants to get paid, and, and he deserves it. He's a really good player. Um, yeah, but he, he's a, kind and, of that guy who fits like – he's a better version of Jay Crowder, in my opinion. He's a better shooter, um, at least from the corners. He's just elite from the corners. He's a, probably a better defender. Um He's somebody who would be a really interesting fit next to Bam. Uh, but also, I mean, I think it'd be harder to get Robert Covington from them just because they just traded for him. Uh, he probably has higher trade value right now. He's a better shooter, uh, can, a little bit more versatile defensively just because he has the uh, more length and, and height on him. Um, but those are two guys, if, if the Rockets are, are willing to, to make moves, I would I would definitely ask about them. Yeah, I would. the only thing that wor- worries me about Tucker is his age. And the fact that the Rockets, the the way that the Rockets use him as a center, he's an undersized guy. He's really tough and he's been really durable. But I I worry that he might fall off if with the way the Rockets use him because of its advanced age and the style of play that the Rockets use. No, that's fair. I I don't, I personally am not sure. And yeah, he's under contract through this next season. So he would... If anything, you could trade for him, see what he does this next year, and then go from there. Um, I think it would be worth it. Just like, and especially like you're mentioning, I don't think he, he wouldn't have to play center, which would be the best part for Miami and for him. I think you'd take some wear off of him and and get to kind of exploit more of what makes him a really good player. Um, so that's just an idea, but I, I, I like the potential there. And one thing I'm interested about too, it's not necessarily a trade. Um, I really liked Casey Akpala when he was at Stanford. And I'm interested to see what he can do uh, coming back. I, I believe he was injured uh, for a good portion of this year when he wasn't in the G League. So, yeah, I mean, he's a pretty big, long dude. Really fits the idea of what the Heat want on their team. If he can shoot, I mean, I think he could be a rotation player next year. Yeah, I, I really hope that his he the development staff did a really good job with him. We we have shown to be a really good – to have a really good development staff – Duncan Robinson wasn't drafted. Tyler Hero, although Tyler Hero was more of a surprise, but mm-hmm. I think the Heat's development—it's it—it deserves a lot of credit. Now, I wanna—I wanna share a bit of information with you. Five recent Sports Network reported alongside, alongside Greg Selvander that the Heat will consider splitting their mid-level exception between two veterans. And among those on the radar are Paul Millsap and Wes Matthews. I really like Wes Matthews. I thought he played well against Miami in that series. He actually, the the positions that he defended Jimmy, he he looked competent enough. He's strong. He's a he's a sharpshooter, and I think that he would be a really good player for us. I'm not sure about Millsap. What would you think? I like both guys a lot. Um, I feel like. Matthews could definitely be had for, you know, part of the mid-level. I think Millsap might require the full mid-level, so I'm not sure on that. Um, I think it's difficult because with Millsap, he, uh, he's a really darn good player. He had one of his better seasons last year, obviously in a more limited role, but he had his best shooting season of his career. Um, still a really quality defender, but he just struggled in the playoffs um, and in the bubble. I mean, I think it's difficult because he's uh, obviously an older guy. I think he'll be 36 this coming year. Um, he, he went that, I think that time off really impacted him. 
I don't – I personally, just based on the kind of player he is, he doesn't really rely on athleticism for his game. I don't see him as a guy who is just going to fall off like that. I think he's somebody I look to bounce back uh, next year. Um, and I think he would be nice as a guy off the bench. I think he's at the stage of his career now where he's okay coming off the bench. He hasn't yet. Um but I do think he will be coming off the bench on his next contract, which could be in Denver. I know Denver is potentially, you know, going to keep him depending on what happens with Jeremy Grant. I think Jeremy Grant will be back personally, but um, I he was phenomenal. Yeah. Oh yeah. He was phenomenal. But I I think Paul would be really nice as a guy who would kind of play the four or five with Bam. He he would make a lot of sense for this team. Uh, If, if his shooting can hold up, I think he's a guy like, he is a really good regular season player. I'm not sure how much you can rely on him in the playoffs anymore, considering, you know, just his age, like you're mentioning. But in terms of looking at what Miami's trying to do during the regular season next year and secure a higher seed, I think Paul Millsap makes a lot of sense, especially as another veteran voice in the locker room. Um, and then, again, with Wes Matthews, he would make a lot of sense. Really good defender. Uh, definitely was the best defender on Jimmy during that 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 playoff run. Um a short playoff run, I should say, for my for for the Bucks, um, and it was actually really weird because he ended up not matched up on Jimmy a ton, which I I didn't understand. They kept putting Chris Middleton on Jimmy, um, and he was getting kind of roasted. And West was by far the best defender. Yeah, on him. and, and uh, West's body type fits more to defend Jimmy. He's yeah, he's strong, he's long, he can and he could stay with him. He proved to be that. Jimmy tried to back him down and he couldn't. Yeah. So yeah, and I, so I think West would make a lot of sense as a shooter and uh, defender. He would fit well in the Heat system. Again, he's the guy who I don't think. I mean, he started for the Bucks this year. I think he's more of like a 20, 20 to twenty five minute a game guy. So he could be in your eight man rotation. Yeah. Another questionable decision. Yet another questionable decision by Mike Budenholzer during the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't like. I don't. I wouldn't side with Millsap. I would look more. To get more, I would like to get more size, as we saw the Heat. Mm-hmm. I guess the Lakers. Well, the Lakers probably the biggest team in, in all, oh, yeah. in all the league. But I would certainly look to beef up that front court with some size. I would look at Aaron Baines or maybe Nerlens Noel. I think the Heat, the Heat's program, the Heat program could do could do wonders for him in his career. He's not a again. He's not a shooter. He's but. I think he can be effective in a limited role, maybe coming off the bench. He can yeah. be more effective for us than Myers Leonard was. I don't think Myers Leonard will be back, unfortunately. He lost his place in the rotation in the playoffs, and I think that's a really bad sign for coming forward for his future with the Heat. What do, what do you think from the free agent center should the Heat target? Um, I do like the idea of Nerlens Noel. Um, I would also maybe look at a guy like Aaron Baines, um, could stretch the floor. Maybe you could play him with Bam a little bit. Um, he's somebody I'd hope he'd be on like a one year deal. Um, but I do think he would make sense. I like him a little bit of an injury concern after last year. Uh, but as a guy who could kind of round out the rotation, it's just like giving you another option. So like, like you mentioned, that's what you saw with, uh, in the finals. I mean, they did not have the size to contend with the Lakers up front. And I don't. You know, I think teams are going to – I'm hopeful that teams don't go too far in the direction of trying to just, like, beef up and um, be sizable to just to counter the Lakers. I think you need to find new ways to attack that and, and defend it. 
uh, which I, I don't think necessarily is, you know, bringing in a bunch of bigs. Like, it, 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 at some point, you just have to realize, okay, they had – Anthony Davis played by far the best basketball of his career. Oh, yeah. Um, had just astronomical shooting numbers from everywhere. You can't really do anything about that. Um, so, I mean, I guess another guy that I'd look at, it depends how much money he's going to command. But, like, I – and I don't know if he would leave Toronto, but Serge Ibaka – could maybe make sense as a guy who's, I, I guess, your sixth man. Like, he could start with Bam. Um, he could play with Bam as kind of the five. I don't think Serge should ever play the four anymore. He doesn't have the foot speed to really guard on the perimeter. Um, but as a guy who can provide you some some tough rebounding, he's a good on the offensive glass. He's not a great defensive rebounder, um, but a really good floor spacer. I mean, shot almost 40% from three on high volume this year. Good rim roller. Like, I think he would fit this team really well. Oh, man. Um, I don't know if the Heat um, are going to be able to get him with the MLE. Maybe they could over, well, not overpay. I don't think you're going to overpay for him. Uh, but I, I would be intrigued to see if they could get some. I read in the Athletic that, I, I mean, I would, Serge Ibaka is my dream. It's my dream free signing this offseason because I think he fits he fits us really well. And alongside Bam, you move Bam to the four and play Serge at the five. I think that would be a, an excellent lineup. Yeah, because I still think Bam isn't really ready to be a full-time five. And I don't know if he ever will be, and that's fine. Like, I think he's best as kind of a guy who can roam off ball. Like, if you have Serge kind of standing up the main center, he's the primary rim protector. Like, very similar to Anthony Davis, I think Bam's real ability is as, as a guy who can – well, not completely similar to Anthony Davis, but my point is, like, there's reasons why you don't want Anthony Davis playing the five all the time. Like his best attribute defensively is is being able to roam off ball and deter shots at the rim, and he's able to do that primarily playing the four. Um, and so I see the same thing with Bam. He's a guy who can like he might be the best defensive perimeter big in the league. Like I mean, we saw him in the year. Uh, I remember watching uh, Miami play the Hawks in a really tight game, and Spo gave Bam the Trey Young assignment for the last three minutes of the game. I don't know if you remember that. I think that was in like February. Yeah, that was the game that Trey Young thought that the game was over and the Heat ended up winning. Yes, yes, that that game. And so that's just like what stands out to me about Bam. I don't want him to be a center necessarily. Like I, I think he can defend centers. He can be a center. He's just a guy who can play basketball really well in a lot of different areas. So I like the idea of bringing in Serge to kind of um, – you, you get Bam some more rain and I have to bang with some of the big guys and really just – flex on the on the perimeter and, and and roam off ball which is what he's really good at i think i think well i wouldn't call it a waste but i think you would severely underutilize bam keep him at the five and i agree having him stay stationary and in, in an area i think bam is one of the most vers- versatile defenders in this league and he will become a defensive terror for years to come because he can, oh yeah he can stay with guards wings and bigs alike He's got the foot speed. He's got the strength. He got, he's got the length, and I think he he could be so what they could use him somewhat as like a like a free safety in football. You can just yeah, cover exactly. Up, you can cover up a lot of, of the floor and and track down anybody who you see can get open and deter shots at the rim or contest him at the perimeter, which you can do in I think an elite level. You know, it'll be really fun too. Like as Bam continues to improve his handle. Um, I mean, obviously a, a really good passer for his size. He does have a good handle already, but um, I don't think he ran much pick and roll this year. Uh, I'd have to check the numbers, but I really like the idea of if Serge Ibaka is there, 
You can run some four or five pick and roll with Bam at the four. Uh, have some awesome pick and pop, pop chemistry because, I mean, Serge is a really good pick and pop player. So you have like Bam getting downhill off the of pick and pop with Serge. Like that would be incredible. Uh, so I, I it, dude, the idea of Serge, like I'm not even, a, I'm not a Heat fan or anything, but the idea of Serge to Miami is really enticing to me. Oh, man, I would, I want him here badly. But unfortunately, I read at the Athletic the other day that the Raptors might offer him one year 20. And I don't think that he will. I would not want to give him one year 20 yeah. personally. Um, but I mean, you, you never know. I don't know how things will work out. Again, 21 is important. And I think something that I outlined, uh, I think you saw it on Twitter. Uh, having to pay Duncan Robinson yeah. and Bam in the same offseason is going to make – like I think t- – I know the Heat are obviously players in the 2021 free agency because they have a bunch of guys coming off books. But, I mean, you're going to have to pay Duncan quite a bit to stay. Um, and I don't know if they will. Obviously, that's a, why, a, a ways out. But then you have to pay Bam. Um, and I think Bam should be untouchable um, oh, yeah, and absolutely. should be signed to a max deal. I know people question that, but I think that's crazy to question after what he's done. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm really interested to see how, uh, how Pat Riley and Andy Ellisberg handle this. I think it all depends on the Duncan Robinson situation next year. I think it all depends on if we, uh, if we manage to sign Giannis, Kawhi, or Oladipo, or even PG. I think Robinson might not end up staying unless the, Unless that he managed to do some cap gymnastics and get <laughs> yeah. him to stay, but he'll command a lot of money for because he's a type of shooter. He's a type of player that in today's NBA is invaluable. Teams yeah. would love to have him, and he's grossly underpaid right now. I think he's earning less than two million, which yeah, is, is at like just about the minimum. I think he's like one and a half million, pretty close, which is an absolute steal. Because I think he that might be the biggest deal in the league right now. I'd agree. His his value on his deal is remarkable. Yeah. So, anyway, let's talk more about the some general NBA news. Uh, I think yesterday it was reported that Daryl Morey went to the Philadelphia 76ers to oversee their basketball operations. Elton Brand retains his position as GM of the Sixers. What are your instant reactions to this, Mark? Uh, I was pretty surprised. I really thought Daryl was going to take the year off, maybe. Um, I mean, I thought maybe he'd end up somewhere as like a consultant. I didn't expect him to go take president of basketball operations, um, especially in Philly. Um, what's m- most crazy to me about this is that, you know, Elton Brand, who is the GM in Philly, came out, uh, it was probably a month ago, and talked about how he finally felt like he had full power to do his job in Philly as the lead guy and, and handling all of the, you know, all basketball operations. And now the, the ownership has brought in Daryl Morey and totally just kind of usurped Elton Brand and made him a number two again. So like, it's really like, I, I mean, I love Daryl. I think Daryl is one of the best minds in the league and will do good things for Philly. But I think it's just really perplexing what they're doing with their, their front office I think their front office is just as murky as, as their roster in yeah. some ways. So I'm really interested to see how that plays out. But I, I think the biggest thing I look at too, I don't think, you know, a lot of people are pointing, well, oh, now Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid are getting traded. I totally disagree. Um, you can look at everything that, you know, Maury did before James Harden got brought in. And you could always be like, okay, well, Maury ball, he wants to play small. I think a lot of that was just him trying to maximize what the team could do around James Harden and trying to maximize James Harden's value as a player. 
and get the most out of him. I mean, Daryl Morey's talked so often about him being, a, you know, a star driven. You know, yeah. you have to have stars to win. And so, like, you look at his first iterations, you know, as Yao Ming and Tracy McGrady were his first two stars, completely different from from how they played with 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 James Harden. So I think he's going to look and he's going to be like, okay, well, we have two top 20, top 25 players in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. We're not going to trade them. We're going to build around them and see what we can do. That's my personal opinion. I think he's going to look more at trying to expand uh, the role players around them, find better fits. Uh, but that, that's just my opinion. I personally don't think that. I don't anticipate a Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid trade. No, I don't either. I mean, if there's one thing that Daryl Morey loves more than threes or stars, and he has exactly. and he has two of them already under contract long term. So I would suggest that I would I would suggest that what he's going to do is improve the roster construction because as this roster is currently constructed, it's not good enough. And you've got a new coach. You've got and he's they've got a lot of a lot to work with. And I think Philly fans should be really excited because you've got one of the greatest minds in the game. I yep. as I thought the same as you that he was going to take the year off. I thought maybe he might look, he might look maybe into other sports. Maybe he might look into football or, or or baseball to see to apply his 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 analytical knowledge. It's funny mm-hmm. that he was Sam Hinkie's mentor. Now he's back in, in now he's in Philly. I know. I agree. That is kind of funny to look at. Yeah. So poor Sam Hinkie got the short end of the stick. I think. Yeah, I think he kind of did it to himself a little bit. It's hard. Like, I mean, just given – I don't think he should have been fired considering how much, like, investment they put into everything that he was doing and they were behind his plan. And I wonder really what would have happened if he'd gotten to stay in place and, and actually enact everything that he'd put together because we started to see the fruits of it. I mean, you could argue the best of this Philadelphia team was was when they had that, that – team and I think it was 2017 or 2018 when they almost went to I think they lost in the second round in game seven to the Celtics yeah um was when they had I mean it was Sarge Covington Landry Shamit was a rookie and looked really nice for them um and I you know that was the best that the Simmons and Bede pairing has ever looked you know and that was two three years ago now that was when Simmons think, was take when, when Simmons won rookie of the year I think yeah exactly and I so I look back at that and I'm like you know that's what the team needs to be like. You have to have really quality role players who maximize what those two guys can do. Um, and it's almost like they should have Robert Covington again. But, <laughs> I mean, oh. yeah, I think th- it's just been pretty gross mismanagement since uh, since they fired Hanky. Um, and I think Daryl's going to turn it around, in my opinion. Yeah, and and what Kirk Goldsbury told me, told me back at SBC, I said, hey, well, how do you think – what do you think would be the best fit for – for Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, he said, how about Dario Saric and Robert Covington? <laughs> I remember him saying that to you. Yeah. So, it was like, well, yeah, makes sense. That's the best they've ever looked together. Exactly. So, anyway, let's talk about another piece of news. A week ago, it was announced that the Pacers hired a new, hired a new head coach, Nate. I can't pronounce his last name. It's uh, Bjorkgren. Bjork- it's very difficult to say. Uh, it took me a lot of practice to get used to it. But, yeah, it's uh, Bjorkgren. Well, Mark, you're a Pacers guy. Well, tell us what you think about the hire. Um, I'm excited about it. I, you know, I I was on his uh his Zoom call for you know the his introductory press conference last week. Um, he's going to install a lot of new things. Uh, play a deep deep bench, deep roster. 
Um, flexibility was something big that Kevin Pritchard, the GM, I mean, president of basketball officer of the Pacers, has talked about and, and Nate has talked about as well in terms of what he wants to do and just being flexible. Anybody can and will play. Um, obviously, more threes, getting to the rim more. It, again, it's hard to know what to take because you hear a lot of PR speak in, in, in press conferences. So yeah, until I see stuff on court, I'm not really sure what to expect. Um, but so far, you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the hire. He's starting to round out his, uh, his coaching staff. Um, I believe, I don't know if the signing is official. I think Danny Manning, former player, I believe it was one time six man of the year with the Suns, two time all star. Oh, yeah, I read um, that yesterday that they were looking at. Yeah, he him. just got, I believe he just got hired by the Pacers oh, to, oh. to be um, an assistant with Coach Bjorker. And he's the first assistant, as far as I'm aware of. Um, and Dan Burke, who was longtime Pacers assistant, who's coached there since 2000, lasted like five different staffs. Um, he just moved over to Philly, actually, to go be their defensive coordinator. Oh, well, good, good for. Good for the Pacers, and really, I I can't say much about the hire because I don't. I that was the first time I ever heard his name. I know that he comes <laughs> from the fair. the from the Toronto coaching staff, and he was Nick Nurse's lead assistant. So that can only mean good things because Nick Nurse might arguably be one of the best coaches in the league. He just won Coach of the Year. So I think you guys should have a really good good season ahead of you. Obviously, there's a certain situation with Sabonis and Turner, which you guys need to sort out. You, what do you think about that? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little apprehensive about that. You know, I'm excited to see what he can do with them, and I love both Miles and Domas individually as players. I just think personally, I've seen enough over the last year and a half um, to 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 be like, okay, I really don't think this is going to work. Um, it's fine against some of the mid-tier teams, like more average teams, it, it works decently. Uh, the net rating, it's like a three or four net rating with those two. But against, um, you know, the top eight teams in the league, it just doesn't work. Uh, it really has struggled playing Milwaukee, uh, which you'd think they'd be better uh, because they have the size a little bit to contend with Milwaukee, but it hasn't worked out that way. Um, obviously, I mean, they, they've struggled against Philadelphia. Um, they've, Definitely struggled with the Heat this year, and part of that was they never had a full roster against the Heat, but also at the same time they should have been a little bit better than they were, I think. Um, I just think it's really tough in my mind to see how, how Miles and, and Domas are both um, at their best playing out of position. You know, I think – I mean, Domas is technically going to be the five regardless, but, um, you know, Miles is playing out of position at the four on offense. He's really not going to get any post touches – and I think he's a good enough player in the post where he should get a couple touches a game just for rhythm shots and to keep himself engaged on offense. He's really not a super willing three-point shooter, which I'm hopeful that maybe that will change with Coach Bjorkgren. But as much as stuff got heaped on Nate McMillan for his offense, I mean, Miles is an apprehensive shooter. You know, he, he does uh, – he, he gets kind of caught up in, in his own head a little bit in what he's doing on offense. So I think uh, maybe Nate – can uh Nate Bjork, I should say. It's odd having a, the exact same name for your next head coach. Um, I don't know. I'm hopeful that he can maybe unlock something, but I'm I'm not optimistic for it. All right. Well, we're running out of time here, so quick reactions. Steven Silas got hired as the Rockets head coach, and Ty Lue got hired as the Clippers head coach. What are your instant reactions? I like Ty Lue to the Clippers. Uh, it's interesting because they might have like the most star-studded coaching staff in the league now. They've it's Ty Lue, Kenny Atkinson, Sam Cassell, Chauncey Billups. 
Like those are all four guys who expected to get head coaching jobs this this off season. The Heat's very so own Dan really... Craig joined him too. Sorry, to recall. Oh yeah, and Dan Craig. So that's five guys now. Oh my god. Um, like that's a really really talented coaching staff. But I also wonder just based on you know how coaches are. You know, not to pigeonhole them. You know, Ty Lue is. I'm not saying that any of these guys are egotistical. But if you're a coach, you believe in yourself and what you're doing. And you have to, to be good at it. Um, so I wonder how that's going to work out. They had all these locker room problems. Uh, how does it work with the coaching staff? I mean, that's like a even bigger version of Jason Kidd and Frank Vogel or what we thought that was going to be, right? Yeah. You have four other guys who are kind of in the wings like, well, I want to be a head coach. Um, I don't know if that's going to be a big thing, but that's something I've thought about right away. Um, and then with Steven Silas, I like him. From what I know about him as an assistant, he's a really good coach, really good offensive mind, played a big part in uh, in what Dallas and, and Rick Carlisle put together, crafting one of the best offenses of, of all time this year. So I think that's a good hire for Houston given the situation. I still think that in Houston's ideal world, Daryl Morey and uh, Mike D'Antoni are still there and Tillman Fertitta is just gone somehow. Oh. Um, but obviously that's not going to happen. Um, but I'm glad that Steven Silas got the job. He's a guy who's been in the wings and, and waiting for one for a while, and he's definitely earned it. So I'm excited to see what he does with that roster. Well, Mark, where can we find you? You can find me at mschindlernba on Twitter. Um, and Reach out to me there. My DMs are open. and You can shoot me any questions or anything. Um, you can also find my work at premiumhoops.org. Um, I write there and, and host podcasts with a couple other guys who cover the league. Uh, doing some fun things over there that I'm really enjoying. Uh, and obviously, you can find my uh, my written stuff on the Indie Cornrows podcast. I'm, I'm not, nah. The Indie Cornrows podcast is my voice stuff. Uh, <laughs> find my written stuff at IndieCornrows.com about the Pacers. Um, but, yeah, if you want to find any of my stuff, Twitter is probably the best place to hit me up. All right. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining me today for, for this week's episode. Thank you for listening to the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. Wear your mask, keep your distance, and follow the NBA offseason. And vote, people. This election is really important. See you next week. Goodbye. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. Wear your mask, keep your distance, and watch the NBA. See you next week.